this morning. Lord, I'm so thankful and so grateful that you love your church far more than any of us could ever imagine. Lord, I'm so grateful for the elders, so grateful for Parker and, and his leadership. And Lord, I pray you continue to give them wisdom. Lord, I pray you have your hand over your church as some things are changing here. Lord, you know exactly uh, who the next pastor is going to be. You know exactly what this church needs. And so I pray, God, that we could count on you, even though some things might be scary in the midst of change. Lord, I pray for everyone here this morning that you would help us to find our identity in you. That we would be defined by who you call us, what you call us, what your word says that we are. Not by anything that the world says, not by anything that people in our lives say, but only by what you say. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. We are talking about identity this morning, and uh, it's been a really interesting time for Christy and I as we've kind of worked through identity you know, I've, I've been on staff at a church for 18 years, and Christy's been a pastor's wife for that time. And uh, we've been starting to wrestle through, like, well, how much does that identity mean to us? Because, you know, this is part of who we are. And we've really started wrestling with it and realized that those titles of pastor and pastor's wife uh, mean more to us than, than we thought. We've actually found some of our identity in those things, and maybe there's some things that you find uh, your identity in. So what I want you to do this morning uh, is that if you want to grab the Connect card that's in front of you, or if you want to make a note on your phone, I'm going to give you 60 seconds. If you're at home, you can write it on your phone and grab a notepad. Uh, there's pens that are in front of you. Uh, I want to take 60 seconds. I want you to write down who you are. Just write down who you are. How do you define yourself? Go ahead and grab a, grab a, um, a sheet of paper, grab the Connect card, write, tap it on your phone. We're going to come back and visit it at the end of the message. But who are you? If you were to describe yourself, who are you? I'll give you about 60 seconds to do that. All right, you can keep uh, writing while I'm talking if you need more time, but I want you to write down who you are. Don't lose that. Wherever you wrote it down, we're going to go back to it at the end of the message, so make sure you keep that close by. Listen to what it says here in 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm not sure if pastors are supposed to have favorite verses, but this is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. It says this. It says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession that you proclaim his excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 
mean, those are an amazing list of who you are if you're a believer in Jesus. Identity is a really big deal. I mean, we see in our world that uh, people are having identity crises. We have people that have been born as, as males and now saying that they want to be a female. They have females that say they want to be a male. We have all of these struggles with identity. And as the people of God, we know, and we can, if we don't know, we can learn this morning that Jesus gives us our identity. We're going to jump into a story here uh, in Genesis. We've been working through Genesis. If you're new here, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, we're on chapter 35 of Genesis now. Really crazy, terrible thing happened with Jacob and his sons. If you remember from last week, uh, Jacob's uh, daughter, Dinah, uh, was raped. And then her brothers, Jacob's sons, decided to murder not only the person that raped her, but murdered the entire peoples of Shechem. And so now Jacob has to leave from that place because he's concerned that all the Canaanites who are much more uh, in number, all the neighboring tribes are going to hear about what happened. They're going to come and attack him. And so now he leaves there and you see how God reminds him of his identity in him. And in him alone. So we're going to look at this a few verses at a time and work our way through this chapter. Then God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel and settle there. Build an altar to God there who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. If you remember a few chapters ago in Genesis 28, uh, Jacob has a vision there at Bethel of a ladder going up to heaven and angels coming up and down. And so this is a very special place where God has spoken to him already. He's saying, go back to that place. I'm going to speak to you again. And so he goes back to this place that's really special to him. So Jacob said to his household and all who were with him, get rid of all the foreign gods that you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Then let us go to Bethel where I will build an altar to God who answered me in the day of distress who has been with me wherever I have gone. You know that story that Melissa shared this morning. I mean, what a powerful witness and testimony of God being with us wherever we go. And that's what happens here with Jacob. No matter all the things he's gone through, all the ups and downs, all the swings in his life, God has been there with him. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had and the rings in their ears, and Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem. Then they set out from there. So it's really interesting just to see what's happening with the people of God here. The, these people are supposed to be worshiping the one true God, but they have these little idols and things they're holding on to. And I think sometimes that happens in the church too. We have God, but we hold on to things of the world, superstitions. Like I'm often at lunch with someone and they'll say something uh, that they hope will happen or they hope will not happen. And they'll say what? Uh, knock on wood. And I just kind of step back for a second and think, huh, as a believer in Jesus, why are you saying knock on wood? That's really interesting to think that you hold on to the, that superstition. And if you do that, don't worry. It's not the worst thing on earth. But it's just an example of how we hold on to these superstitions of the world that aren't really actually anything to do with the Bible. I also think about people have this idea of Christian karma. They think that, okay, if I go to church or if I go to small group, if I read my Bible, then God will give me good things. Now, it is true that when we spend time with God, God does bless us because we get to get to know his heart 
better. But there isn't this weird Christian karma that if I do this, then God owes me something. But I think sometimes we have that attitude too. And that's kind of what's going on here. They're following the true God, but they're kind of holding on to these idols and superstitions. Remember, they were living in Shechem, a place that was completely ungodly. Um, so they, I'm sure, had some influence of that un ungodliness in their lives. And so Jacob says, that's it. Let's just get rid of all this. All these horrible things, all these horrible things just happened. God told me to go to Bethel, so we are going to Bethel. Everyone, get your things. Let's go. Verse 5, then they set out, and the terror of God fell upon the towns all around them, so no one pursued them. This is such a cool God story. All the other towns that would have been associated with the people in Shechem, they would have been on Shechem's team. They heard that all those people were murdered. All those people were killed. They would have been far more numerous than uh, Jacob and his family, the Israelites. And so God says to all those people, I'm going to give you the terror of the Lord. And they're not going to attack you. They're not going to attack the people that are going away. What an awesome uh, just view of God's faithfulness. I mean, here is Jacob and the Israelites doing things that are not particularly honoring God. And God is still saying, listen, you're not earning my grace. You're not earning my mercy. I love you because I love you because I love you. And what hope for us in that? I mean, I know it's hope for me in that. Because if I was judged on uh, all the things that I did wrong, all, if it was up to, to me to earn God's faithfulness, I could never do it. Because I fall short. I think things that I shouldn't, and I do things that I shouldn't, I sin against God. If I had to earn his mercy and salvation, it would be a really, really desperate time for me, and it would be for you too. And I'm so thankful that God and his mercy, that he gives that because he loves us, because he loves us. Jacob and all the people with him came to Luz, that is Bethel, in the land of Canaan. He built an altar there and called the place El Bethel, because it was there that God revealed to him when he was fleeing from his brother. Now Deborah, Re Rebekah's nurse, died and was buried under the oak below Bethel. So it was named Alon uh, Bakoth. And this would have been a very um, significant thing that happened. Deborah had been with their family for a long time. And so they make a note of it here that she uh, dies and passes away um, during this time. After Jacob returned from Padan Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. God said to him, your name is Jacob, but you'll no longer be called Jacob. I mean, what an interesting thing. Imagine if God said that to you. Your name is Daniel, but now I'm going to call you Danger. I love that. That's amazing. Uh, that's an amazing story. You know, what name would you want God to give you? And I'm sure Jacob's thinking, my name's not going to be Jacob anymore what, what's it going to be and so he says your name is Israel now you remember the name Jacob means heel grabber because that's what he was doing when he was born he was holding on to Esau's heel so so God says you're no longer the heel grabber I've worked in your life so much now you're Israel which means you struggle with God and that's exactly what's happened with, with Jacob in his life he's struggled with God and Maybe you've struggled with God, too. I know certainly I have. There's tons of times in my life where I've been struggling with God. Even this decision that has happened in our life for us to minister to the, to the United States Army, 
for months I was struggling with God, saying, you really want me to do this? I mean, I have a church that I love and a community that I love. Do you really want me to do this? It's a, it's a struggle. It's a struggle sometimes with God. And, and so he renames him and he says, this is your identity. Remember who I call you. Forget about what the world says. Remember what I call you. You are going to be called Israel. So he named him Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you. And kings will come from your body. The land I gave Abraham and Isaac I also give to you. I will give you this land to your descendants after you. Then God went out from him from the place where he had uh, talked to him. Jacob set up a stone pillar at the place where God had talked to him. And he poured out a drink offering on it. He also poured oil on it. And he called the place where God had talked with him Bethel. What Jacob is doing there is that he's, he's worshiping. He's saying that he, he changed my name to Israel. God spoke to me, and he renewed the blessing on me. He says that you're going to be blessed. There's going to be kings that come from me. There's going to be peoples that come from me. And he responds in a really appropriate way by worshiping. And I think it's so great that we come here on a Sunday morning or we gather at home on a Sunday morning and we worship God because it's the right response to all the ways that God has blessed us, all the ways that he's worked in our life, all the ways that he's been faithful, even the ways that maybe we expected him to move in a different way or do something different or answer a prayer in a different way. Our response is to worship because he's the one that gives us our identity, and so Jacob worships there. They moved on from Bethel, and while there was still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth and had great difficulty. And when she was having great difficulty with childbirth, the midwife said to her, don't be afraid, for you have another son. As she breathed her last, for she was dying, she named the son Benoni, but the father named him Benjamin. She names uh, the child that she's having as she's having all this trouble, Benoni, which means son of my trouble. And then uh, Jacob says, no, we're going to rename him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. And so you see this story here of, of God working through even a really difficult and horrible situation. And, and sometimes as we go through life, life is really difficult. Life is really hard, and we go through struggles. And that's why we need each other. And this is an awful thing as Rachel dies as she's giving birth. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. It's pretty interesting, that's Bethlehem, isn't it? Over her tomb, Jacob set up a pillar, and to this day that pillar marks Rachel's tomb. Israel moved on again and pitched his tent beyond Migdal Eder. While Israel was living in that region, Reuben went in and slept with his father's concubine, Bilhah, and Israel heard of it. Say, what? What is going on here? You're just kind of reading this story, and you just kind of been taken back. Oh, man, is, uh, Jacob's uh, wife, Rachel, just, just died during childbirth, and now they're moving on, and now one of his sons is sleeping with his father's concubine? This is a crazy little insert in this, but I think one of the things that I love about the Bible is it doesn't gloss over things that are uncomfortable. One of the things that, one of the reasons why I believe we can believe that the accuracy, the inerrancy, the infallibility of the Bible is because it includes things like this. 
I think if it didn't include the bad stuff, it might read as a much cleaner story, uh, but there would be something suspicious about that. The Bible never glosses over the bad stuff. He just, they just tell it how it was because it is the truth. And sometimes the truth is a little nasty. Sometimes the truth uh, isn't something we like to hear. But this is the truth. And that's why we read it every day. That's why we read it when we gather together. Because we need direction. We need an anchor. We need a foundation. And we have it in God's word. And so you might have been reading that too this week. Or might have just read it for the first time and thought, oh my goodness, that is crazy. Uh, but I'm so thankful that it includes things in there because it's the way that it happened. It continues on here, naming the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 tribes of Jacob, the 12 tribes of the new named, newly named Israel. The sons of Leah, Reuben, the firstborn of Jacob, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel, Joseph, and, and Benjamin. The, the son that... Um, Rachel had before she died from having Benjamin was Joseph, who we're going to uh, read about here very shortly in the coming weeks. The sons of Rachel's uh, maidservant Bilhah, Dan, and Naphtali. The sons of Leah's maidservant Zilpah, Gad, and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob, who were born to him, and Padan Aram. I mean, this is the list of the tribes of, of Israel that had such an impact on our world even today. That kings and rulers and the line of God's people came through this. And they came through all of this mess. I mean, as we read the last few chapters, it's been really messy. And I praise God for that. Aren't you so thankful that you come from some things that are messy? When you look around in your own life and see some things that are messy... Uh, you can pick up the Bible and relate to, to the need for God, the need for us to run, to find our identity in Jesus. Jacob came home to his father Isaac and Mamre near Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had stayed. Isaac lived 180 years, and, and then he breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, old and full of years. And his son Esau and Jacob buried him. I think even the story with Jacob and Esau, what a story of reconciliation at the end. They were together with their father to bury him, even through all the chaos that they had. So if you're in a uh, struggle or you're in a, a battle with a family member, know that God and his faithfulness can even work through the most difficult of times. And he did that in their life, and they came together at the end. Jacob found his identity. He was reminded of his identity. His identity was to be called Israel. His identity is in God. And so the action step for this week is to know who you are. Know who you are. Listen to what it says here in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us through, uh, to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he was committed to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And I implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Christ came on this earth 
and he lived a perfect life. And he died a death on the cross so that you could be reconciled to God. All the ways that you mess up with the thoughts that don't honor God, you know what they are. You have them. You have those thoughts. The actions that you have, the words that you say that don't honor God, all of that is called sin. And it needs to be reconciled. And the only way it's going to be reconciled in, in a way that gives us life is by giving all those things to Jesus. If we have to reconcile ourselves, that means we have to face judgment. And that means we spend eternity away from a holy and awesome God in hell. And it's heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking for me to think about anybody in this room or watching online that would spend eternity away from God. Put your faith in Jesus. Be reconciled. Allow him to take all of your sin, all of your shame, all the ways that you messed up. Let him give you a new identity, a new creation. Because when he died on that cross and he rose from the dead, he did that in victory for you and I. Put your faith in Jesus. If you've never done that before, do that this morning. Just tell God that you've done things wrong, that you've sinned against them, and that you want to be reconciled. This morning we're going to celebrate two people this week that put their faith in Christ. But I want you to just to hear this for a second uh, before we celebrate because my father-in-law gave me this week from his devotion, and this is what it says. It says, and most important, let a sinner repent and let every other activity ceases and every heavenly being celebrates. We don't always share such enthusiasm, do we? When we hear of a soul saved, do you drop everything and celebrate? Is your good day made better or your bad day salvaged? We may be pleased, but exuberant? When a soul is saved, the heart of Jesus becomes the night sky on the 4th of July, radiant with explosions of cheer. Can the same be said about us? We celebrate two people that come to faith in Christ this week. Woo! There we go. It's awesome. If you never put your faith in Christ, we want to celebrate you uh, when you put your faith in Christ. Won't you do that? It's the most important decision that you can ever make. And if you have put your faith in Jesus, I want you to know who you are. You're a new creation. Because of that, there are many things that Scripture says that you are. I don't have time to go through all the things that Scripture says that you are because there's quite an amazing list of who you are. But if this doesn't brighten your day, I don't know what's going to. All right, I'm sorry. I don't know what else to do besides to tell you who you are in Christ. Jacob was reminded from God who he was. So this is who you are. First, you're blessed. Anybody in here blessed? Anybody in here blessed? Okay, good. He's given you great blessings that all of us can look around and say, yes, there are things in my life that are hard, but I'm certainly blessed in many different ways. Listen to what it says in Psalm 1, the beginning of the Psalms. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on this day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and who does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. We certainly don't preach a prosperity gospel here at Good News, but certainly there are many places in Scripture where he says he's, he's going to make you prosper. The problem with the prosperity gospel is that they take that word prosper and they make it all financial. If you follow the Lord, you're going to be rich. Well, there's many, God bless you. There are many uh, times that, there are many times that God uh, 
blesses us and prospers us in many different ways, not just financially. So if you're in Christ, you're blessed. If you're in Christ, you're saved. The cross has saved us from sin and death and Satan and the old human nature. I mean, what an amazing thing that is. I mean, when you're saved, you're going to rejoice on the rescue that happened in your life. And sometimes we just need that reminder. Romans 10 says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it was your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As a child of God, as someone whose identity is in Jesus, you're reconciled. I mean, we, we're just talking about reconciliation and the importance of doing that. He's reconciled you to God and to other believers. As disciple makers here at Good News, our purpose is to make disciples together. And as disciple makers, we want to love Jesus. And we want to love one another. And we want to love the lost. And sometimes when we're loving one another, we need reconciliation. And he gives us that in Christ. Romans 5 says, For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more? Having been reconciled, shall we be saved through this life? Not only so, but we also boast in God through our, our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've now received reconciliation. I mean, this is a good list of things of who we are. The next one you may not like as much, but it's true. You're afflicted. As a believer and following Christ, part of our identity is going through persecution. You read the story in Genesis and all the things that Jacob went through, you realize that it wasn't always peachy. You see that throughout Scripture, anyone that obeyed God, it was not easy. Obedience wasn't easy at all. I don't know of any story in Scripture of a person that obeyed God and everything was just peachy. Everything was just great. Everything was just awesome. And I think that's one of the biggest lies of the American church is you follow Jesus and there'll be rainbows and sunshine. Yes, you will have some rainbows and sunshine, but there's also an affliction that comes. There's persecution that comes. We live in a fallen world, and we're aliens and strangers of this world. And so when we go through life, there are going to be things that affect us. There are going to be things that, that hurt us. There are going to be difficult times in life. And I want you to know that sometimes God teaches us more in those times of suffering than he does in the times when we prosper. If you've been through times of suffering, or maybe you're going through it right now, you know that that's true. We always said when I was playing sports, you learn more from your losses than your wins. And it's true. You learn how, how to, to, you know, when you're playing sports, you learn how to get better. When you're walking the Christian life, you learn how to lean on God more. And in 1 Peter 5.8, there's, a really uh, sobering and, and hum, a humbling verse. It says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a, like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of grace who called you out of his eternal glory in Christ after you suffer a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. He will restore us in this life or the next. 
If there are things in your life that he hasn't restored, I want to assure you with 100% certainty from God's word, he will restore that for all eternity. We're aliens and strangers on this earth, and yes, the evil one wants to devour us, but we worship one that's far more powerful than the evil one. And he cannot, he cannot touch our eternal life. He is weak compared to a holy and awesome God. So you're going to be afflicted. You're also heard that God hears our prayers and he re responds. Sometimes there are ways he responds that we don't think is the right way. But I'm so grateful that it's not my plan that gets carried out, but it's God's plan that gets carried out. Jeremiah 29 says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find, find me when you seek me with all of your heart. We don't worship a faraway God. We worship a God that sent his only son here to earth as the infinite God-man who knows what we went through. As Jacob is going through all of this stuff and his sons just murdered all of these people, you can just imagine what he's thinking as a dad. Just imagine what he's thinking as a believer. Imagine the ways that he called out to God and God heard his prayer. A couple more here before we finish. You're gifted. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You notice it says we're not saved by good works, because we're not. But we're created to do good works so that God gets the glory, and he does that through the giftedness of God's people. Every Sunday morning at 8.40, we gather together, all the people that are serving uh, in the morning. We did it this morning, and it's so cool to see all the different faces that God's gifted in all different ways. God's gifted each and every one of us. You're gifted. You're made new. We talk about that. If anyone's in Christ, the new, the new has come. The old has gone. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We always have hope in Christ. If you're going through a desperate situation right now, right now in our country, the suicide rates have never been higher. I want you to know, looking at you online and here in, per in person, if you're having some of those thoughts, if you're going through a difficult time, there's always hope in Christ. There's always hope. You can be made new. Run to him, get help, tell a friend, talk to a pastor, talk to a staff member, tell someone in your small group, don't go through this alone. You're forgiven. I mean, what an awesome thing it is to be forgiven. You ever do something wrong and you know you did something wrong? And you know you may be dreading talking to the person that you did something wrong to and you go to that person and you try to say the right words because you don't want to mess it up even further and you say the words, and you finish saying them, and then they look at you and say, I, I forgive you. It's unbelievably freeing, isn't it? And in Christ, we're forgiven. We're forgiven. And because we're forgiven, we can forgive others too. First John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and, and purify us from all unrighteousness. Two more here. Now, this is, there's many others in the Bible here, but I didn't have time to go through all of them, but two more that I have to do. You're adopted. Romans 8 says, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. 
the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. How cool is that? If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we also might share in his glory. And finally, I think especially important through this season is you're victorious. And you're not victorious because you're all that great. I'm not victorious because I'm all that great. Because I've won the victory. No, it's because Christ has won the victory. And when we put our faith in him, that victory is imputed to us. That's what we get. We're victorious. And so even though we see all kinds of chaos, all kinds of things that are happening in our country, we know that we're God's people. We know that we're victorious. And we should live like it. 1 John 5, 4 says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So I want you to take out those lists of things that you are, that you wrote down that you are. And I don't know what you wrote. Maybe you wrote what you do for a job, or maybe you wrote that you're a mom or a daughter or a son, a father, whatever. I don't know what you wrote down. But I want you to take that list this week, and I want you to remember what you learned here this morning. I want you to remember that Jesus gives you your identity. I want you to remember that if you put down titles of things that you do for your occupation, I want you to know you're far more than that. That if God stripped that thing away from you, uh, then uh, you would still have a strong identity. Know who you are. You are victorious. You are adopted. You are in Christ. He's given you a new name. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm so thankful, I'm so grateful that we get to come together and we get to worship you. And we get to remember that you are in control. We get to remember that you are on your throne. And so I pray, God, that you would help us to remember our identity here this, this morning and this week. We need our identity to be in you because everything else uh, could be stripped away. But help us remember who our identity is. And when we remember that, we remember how good it is to be adopted as sons and daughters of the king. Help us remember who we are this week. In Jesus' name, amen.